Welcome to the second installment of Peter Moss's textbook, Alternative Narratives in Early Childhood. My name is Tony McDonald, and today I'll be with you as we journey through Chapter 3, titled Politics and Ethics of First Practice. But before we do that, I would like to start off by saying thank you to Stephanie for her great podcast on Chapter 2 and getting us the ideas for our own podcast. I know how hard it is to be the first at doing something. This podcast will talk tackle what is the first practice of ECE? Is it a technical practice, a political practice, or an ethical practice? We will also discuss what is the image of a child. Okay, so let's jump right into the first part of the chapter when they talk about technical, political, and ethical practice. What is the starting point of ECE? Well, it is very subjective, so let's break them all down. Peter Moss believes in his view that first practice is foremost, it is a political practice, which he did state in chapter two of his textbook. Everything is political. With the political practice as educators, we need to make choices that will benefit some while disadvantaging others. The denial of politics in favor of technical practice, as in today's domain disclosures, reflect in large part of the perseverance neoliberal climate of the day. What was stated on page 49 in the chapter. With the political choices, it goes hand in hand with the image of a child, which we'll get into in a bit. The next part is the ethical practice. The ethical practice built with children, families, staff, all in the centers and community. Peter Moss breaks the ethical practice into three sections in a post-fundamental paradigmatic position. The three sections are postmodern ethics, the ethics of care, and the ethics of an encounter. With postmodern ethics, it is an approach that rejects an ethics of rules and regulations to be followed. They have the detailed codes of telling them what to do. Bowman states on page 56 that life is unpredictable and messy and that many ethical decisions cannot be clear-cut and certain. Joan C. Tor Toronto describes an ethics of care as combining two elements, a practice rather than a set of rules or principles involving particular acts of caring and a general habit of mind to care that should inform all aspects of moral life, to not only care for other people, but also of communities, societies, and the physical environment. The ethics of care has a direct relationship with education. As childcare providers, we are making sure that the children's physical needs and safety are the number one priority. We want to ensure that the parents feel safe leaving their children with us and the center. The third section is ethics of an encounter. Emmanuel Levinas is considered one of the greatest French philosophers of the 20th century. His concept of ethics of an encounter has a radical implications of early childhood education. 
Moss describes Levinas' theory on page 60 as the knower, that is the person wanted to know, is determined to make sense of someone or something through applying her or his own system of understanding, concept, and categories. It's the ability to relate it to something that you already know. So, we all know that one of the ethics in early childhood is you can't be friends with the parents while you're teaching them. But what if one of your students' father passes away? Would it be unethical to go to the house and drop off a hot meal for them? Would it be unethical to go to the funeral? What if one of the parents has cancer? Would it be unethical to give them your phone number or add them onto social media in case they ever need anything? Moss states on page 57 that to make an ethical choice and take responsibility for those choices and to not just follow a rule book. At the end of the day, you have to be able to justify what you are doing and to be able to back it up if you feel like it is the right choice. A lot of situations can be in the gray area. Looking back at Stephanie's podcast, she had background music playing. If you look at our group chat, everyone in the group loved the music in the background. But for me, it was a distraction as I have a learning disability. As educators, we are to create an education that is both relevant to the lives of children, families, and communities, and committed to working for a better life and world. That was on page 51. So, podcasts typically do not have music in the background. However, Stephanie took a chance and made it relevant to the lives of this other peers, and they enjoyed it. They all benefited from the music in the background, but one person didn't. Me. She was committed to making it better for the group. After looking at this, I remember the saying that you cannot please everyone. I take this as long as you do your best and believe in it, that's all that matters. In education, we need to make choices and sometimes they will benefit some but not others. It's the political practice. The last practice is technical practice. Technical practice takes purpose and ends which is the education for a predetermined outcomes and high returns on investments. Back in chapter two, Moss said that the story of quality and high returns tells of an education, sorry, tells of an early childhood education that is first and foremost a technical practice, a matter of finding the right technology to ensure high returns. The ends be the readiness for school, learning goals, and the realization of human capital, a competitive labor force. Moss states on page 49 that an education based on a marketized delivery system of service for granted settles in an uncontestable. The whys and the whats are simply assumed in the stories of how do we get the high returns and how do we create and operate a market. Okay, so what does this mean? It is to be able to measure quality. 
chatting with Lisa about this section, she explained to me that it is how we measure it by it is by standardizing it. Lisa continued to explain of how she has heard some educators saying they cannot share their ideas because their program is child-centered. I was taught by one of my mentors, oddly enough, her name is Lisa as well. She said that the wheel is already made. There's no point in trying to remake it. If you have a great idea, share it. The chances are that they also have great ideas and they can pass them on to you. So instead of keeping it just yours and only having a few, you now have many. And other times, your idea can be tweaked a little bit so that they can be better. Our professor Lisa described that educators not sharing ideas is referred to as vocational practice. Thank you again, Lisa, for clarifying this for me. The image of a child. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, political practice and image of the child go hand in hand. Moss quoted Reggio on page 50, saying that all children are rich and there are no poor children. All children, whatever their cultural, whatever their lives are rich, better equipped, more talented, strong, and more intelligent than we can suppose. She goes on to say that those with disabilities being children with special rights rather than a poor child with special needs. On a personal note, I'm currently an educational assistant with the Peel Board in a high school of students with developmental disabilities. And this quote is one of my personal life models, along with my professional one. Just mine is not as well said as Reggio. I believe that we should be looking at what students can do instead of what they cannot do. Other people see the image of a child being that children are born with the capacity of knowing and they will express their knowledge in stages of development. Within the image of the child is readiness for school. If you recall from chapter one, Moss says that quality and high returns is first and foremost a technical practice and the readiness for school. In a paradigmatic position, empty slate with no knowledge and knowledge is gained by adults in teaching and modeling. But what is your view on this? Is it being able for a child to sit at a desk for hours at end and count to 10 while recalling the alphabet like they have done many, many years? Or is it learning through play, which is newish to the kindergarten program? Peter Moss did an interview called A Wider Idea of School and Education. I'm going to play a quick part of it. There are many different ideas, stories, I would say, about education, and that we need to actually challenge some of the dominant stories, some of the stories we hear a lot about today, about uh, getting certain sorts of outcomes out of children by using technologies to try and get results which we have as adults decided that we want from children and I suppose arguing for more 
uh, emancipatory, more creative, more uh, more enjoyable approaches to education at a time when education, I think, has become very rather impoverished, rather rather poor and rather narrow. And that is connected very much to the idea that uh, we can rediscover the idea that democracy can be a very fundamental value and practice in education. Which I think that the early childhood school, the Escola Infantile, I, I see as being, as having the possibility of being a very important public place, a very important resource for the whole community, as indeed the school for older children. I think we need to re reimagine what the school can be and move away from a very narrow idea that the school is just there for passing the curriculum from the teacher to the child to a wider idea of education in, in all its many forms, but also as a place where many projects can happen, projects for children, projects for their families and projects for the whole local community. There are alternatives. The last two seconds of the interview reminded me of our quality class at Sheridan when Ma said there are alternatives. A lot of the time we hear registered early childhood educators talking about how the teacher does not agree with having an RECE in the classroom and that the children need to learn the same way that we've been teaching for many years. They go on to say it's the way that they've learned and the way that we also learned. Hopefully you hear the stories that the RECE and teacher are on the same page or that you are currently in that role in the classroom right now. But you constantly hear teachers saying that in kindergarten they are not ready for school because they cannot read, write, and do basic math. Whereas RECEs believe more of developmenting the child as a whole and being able to express themselves. I feel like in these situations, the RECEs have no control as the teachers are the ones that have the final say. To me, the image of an educator is a co-learner with the children and the teachers. It is to follow the child's lead and in a kindergarten classroom, you need to build on both the strengths of the teacher along with the strengths of the RECE. Okay, but before I sign off, I would like to have you reflect on two questions that we can discuss over the week. So the first question is, what do you think is the first practice or starting point of early childhood education? Is it a technical practice, political practice, or ethical practice. The second discussion question this week is what do you think is readiness for a child entering compulsory school? Like Stephanie said in her podcast, take the time to think of the questions before you jump into writing the answers. Once again, I will repeat the questions. The first question is what do you think is the starting point or first practice of early childhood education? Do you believe it is a technical practice, political practice, or ethical practice? The second question is, 
What do you think is readiness for a child entering compulsory school? Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to listening to my podcast on politics and ethics as first practice. I hope everyone has a great day and looking forward to our discussions. Bye.